message is titled tonight, Changing the Atmosphere. So if you were here last week at 8 o'clock, anybody was here last week at 8 o'clock? I, I sort of went off on a bit of a tangent about Romans chapter 12 verse 2 and I was talking about renewing your mind. And I've been very challenged this week by that thought um, because there's an interesting word at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Does anybody know what is the first word of the verse? Don't put it up yet. Just keep it a secret. Anybody know what the first word of Romans... Yeah, you're going to have to look it up. Put it up. I hope it is. In my Bible anyway, the, fir- the, mid- the word that begins, verse 2, is the word and... And And is such a great word, don't you think? Yes, and connects two things together, right? So what I was talking about last week, about the renewing of your mind, it's the and, and it's the second half of the and. So tonight, I'd like to talk about what happens before the and. Yeah, the prequel. It's like the you know when they came out with Star Wars, and then eventually, like twenty years later, they came up with the first episode. And it's like I thought the first episode was in the seventies, but no, that was only the fourth episode. I'm like, who starts at the fourth <laughs> episode? <laughs> I still haven't watched. I oh, know I did. I watched the first one, and I couldn't understand why anybody would bother um, wasting their time on Star Wars, and I haven't seen any since. And I've been t- yes. Well, I, I've watched one. I went, this is Buddhist. I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> it is. If you'd like to know, I'll tell you that later. But anyway, what happens in Romans chapter 12, verse 1? So we want to go back one verse because there's an end there. So we want to link this end to what comes before it. And this is what it says. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other translations, it says, is your reasonable act of worship or service of worship. And then the end comes. So, and the renewing of your mind is the second part and the first part is this part here about the sacrifice and the worship. And so I've been thinking about this. And just how, in terms of our spiritual formation, how important worship is. Because worship is the thing that changes the atmosphere. If we turn to 1 Kings um, chapter 17. Last, last week I was in 1 Samuel 17. This week I'm in 1 Kings 17. I don't know what's with 17. must be a good number. Um, 
But 1, uh, 1 Kings 17, verse 1, we are introduced to Elijah. And Elijah, the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, that's the king, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. In this one verse, we get this story or the beginning of the story where Elijah the prophet basically makes a declaration that changes the atmosphere around the nation of Israel. He makes a declaration that entirely changes where they're at. They go in this one declaration from just being like normal to drought. Elijah, in this prophetic declaration, we've been talking about prophetic declarations for a long time here in this church, but in this prophetic declaration, he has changed the atmosphere in the natural realm. Now, as we know, this story ends in 1 Kings chapter 18. And this is how it ends. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Again, it ends with a prophetic declaration that again changes the natural atmosphere around the nation of Israel. Because at that stage, when Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, there was not one drop of rain anywhere. In fact, there wasn't even a cloud. So Ahab, he, Ahab the king, must have been, he must have had a lot of faith, trust, went up and ate and drank. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and he prayed. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Think about it, seven times. I think I usually get to about the third time and then I'm like, God, do you sure you want me to pray about this? Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be prophesying any great storm at the appearance of a cloud the size of a man's hand. Like if you think about the expanse of the ocean, stick your hand up and think way out there in the distance, I could see that tiny little thing. Is that enough for you to declare prophetically that it's going to rain? It's powerful. What this man did is, is it like just blows my mind. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. I mean, I assume they had no tar seal back then, so it, you know, at least there was legitimate reason to not want to get your chariot clogged. <laughs> now it happened. In the meantime, that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. And I think it's amazing that here's a man, Elijah, a prophet of God. He changes the atmosphere in the natural 
around Israel. But in changing the atmosphere in Israel in the natural, he also changed the atmosphere in Israel in the spiritual. Because this king Ahab, if you read back in uh, chapter 16 of Kings, it actually says in, I can't remember which verse, verse 33 it says, and, I, um, and Ahab made a wooden image and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the other kings who were before him. So this, this Ahab has taken Israel completely away from God. They've got Baal, they're worshipping Baal. He's the guy that's married to Jezebel. We all know that's a bad name, right? <laughs> you know, this is bad news, this guy, King Ahab. The spiritual atmosphere around Israel at this time was not good. But Elijah brought in first a change of atmosphere, first in the natural, and then he did it in the spiritual. And after he'd done it in the snack, done it in the spiritual, then what he brought was a breakthrough in the natural with the rain. So it's it's effectively between the declaring and then the breaking of the drought, Elijah led the nation of Israel to worship God at Mount Carmel. And what, it mean, what, what I get from this is that between your circumstances and your breakthrough, there is always a sacrifice of worship. I'm going to say that again. Between your circumstances and your breakthrough, there is always a sacrifice of worship. And so if we're thinking, last week I was talking about renewing your mind and this week changing your atmosphere. Which comes first? Renewing your mind, changing your atmosphere. Changing your atmosphere, renewing your mind. Who thinks it's a bit like the chicken and the egg? Sounds a bit like the chicken and the egg. But did you know scientists have worked out which came first? Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, God created the chicken and then the chicken laid an egg, right? Funnily enough, guess what scientists have worked out? You know, eggs have a shell on them, right? A hard shell. There is only one place that you can find the enzyme that creates the hard shell around an egg. And that's inside a bird, basically. In other words, inside the chicken. So the chicken has to have come first. Because what's a chicken egg without a shell on it? Have you ever tried to peel the shell off? You know, you can actually put it in like some vinegar and it can, you can dissolve away the shell and you end up with that tiny little membrane inside the sack. Can you imagine trying to have that get laid by a chicken? <laughs> that's going to make a mess right it's never going to get to your scrambled eggs in the morning for breakfast yeah scrambled eggs in the straw <laughs> you 
But if you think about it, it's like the chicken is like the atmosphere in which the egg is formed. Your mind, in renewing your mind, which is effectively about changing your mind, gets changed because it is in an atmosphere that is conducive to the change. You can't change. What I've worked out in my life is that I cannot change my mind any more than I can change the freckles on my face. They're there. They're always there. I can sort of tweak them a little bit by never going out into the sun. Or I can make them stand out really, really well by going into the sun. You should see my arms. They just turn into this massive freckle. And then two hours later, they're gone again, except for if I go red. But I can't, you can't change your mind in and of itself. It's like the, it's, it's just not, it just doesn't happen. Something has to prompt the changing of your mind. Something has to get on the inside that prompts the changing of your mind. And that's the changing of the atmosphere. You have to change the atmosphere. When you change the atmosphere, then all of a sudden, your mind gets changed. This is a bit like, have you? I've, I think about weird things all the time. So here's a little weird thought. There are 7.7 billion people in the world, right? That's how many I checked. I looked it up. And if you actually, you can look it up on Google and you can get this little thing and it's counting over, tick, 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 where people get born and died. And there are more people being born than dying at the moment, pretty much all the time. So we keep going up. Why is it that the 20 million people who like Vegemite all live in Australia? (laughs) Why is that? Interesting thought. Why? Why does everyone else hate Vegemite? As a, as a recently, no, not recently arrived, but as a immigrant, migrant, Australian, I understand. I like Bovril. It's what we had in New Zealand. Bovril. Oh, Marmite, yeah, Marmite's good. I have acquired... I've acquired a taste for Vegemite, but it took a little bit of acquiring. Have you tried this? Have you got any taste for it yet, Mike? Yeah, sparingly. Sparingly. <laughs> once, once a decade. Once a decade. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that there is an environment, there is an atmosphere here in Australia that you get brought up to like Vegemite, Right? It's like I've always wondered, because I've got all these friends, not that I've ever had a baby, but I've all these friends had these babies, and they all tell me that they can't eat curry when they're breastfeeding, and I'm like, well, what the heck do all the babies in India do? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? They must whinge and complain the entire time. They must get caught, you know, all sorts of bad things must happen to these babies. It's like, you know, because there's an environment, there's an atmosphere in that you get brought up in that atmosphere and what is in that atmosphere becomes entirely normal to you. Becomes entirely normal. 
So if you want to understand what's your normal, have a look at the things in your environment. What's ruling your atmosphere? Because that's what's creating your normal. And what this scripture here in Romans chapter 11 verse 1 is trying to help us to do is to create an atmosphere that makes God and his presence our normal. It's when we have God's presence as being, that's just my normal. That's, that's my normal. It's there that the mind becomes renewed easily. Because in the presence of God, it's easy to think like God. You become like who you hang around. So there's just a couple in the last couple of minutes. Just a couple of thoughts. Is that in this scripture, Romans chapter uh, 12 verse 1, is that we're asked to present our bodies. Which interestingly, it says, present your bodies. What, what does it mean? I think, I think this, that every act undertaken by any part of your body is an act of worship. Whatever you look at with your eyes, watch with your eyes. Whatever you listen to with your ears, whatever you taste with your tongue, whatever you feel with your pleasure and pain senses, whatever you say, with your voice, whatever you sing. All of those things are an act of worship. They're either, either an act of worship for God or they're an act of worship for darkness. So God wants the whole of our bodies. I think this is one of, this is one of the things I think about, you know, why does fasting work? There's many reasons. There's lots of things. We've heard lots about it. But I think this is one of them. Fasting is an act of worship. What you choose to listen to is an act of worship. There's not music for entertainment and then music for worship. There's just music. And if it's not for worship, then it's not creating the right sort of atmosphere around your life. It's about your whole bodies. And then it says there to be a living sacrifice and, and I get the sacrifices about it costing you something. It costs you something to decide that you're, not, that you're only going to listen to a certain type of music or you're only going to watch a certain type of thing. You're only going to you know, read a certain type of thing. It costs you something. I understand that. But then, you know, everything costs you something. You know, when you get married, you get married to one person, it costs you something. Now, all those other women or men are out of bounds and unavailable, right? It costs you something, everybody else, all those other possibilities because you've made this choice, right? Cost you something. Of course, nowadays, plenty of people think that it doesn't actually cost you that because you can just get rid of that one and, you know, upgrade if you feel like it. Not in the Bible. It, everything comes at a cost. Whatever you choose comes at a cost. And I think that what we need to focus on there is the word living. 
because I had this thought about in the book of in the book of Kings, the story of Elijah, and you know the story of Carmel on Mount Carmel, and the, all the prophets of Baal they're trying to you know pray down fire, and then late in the afternoon, I having mocked them for quite a while, Elijah then gets the pieces of the dead bull. This is a dead sacrifice, right? He puts it on the altar. He then pours a whole stack of water in the middle of a drought, might I add, all over it. So he makes his dead, wet sacrifice. And the fire of God comes and burns it up. You don't want to be a dead sacrifice because God's fire burns up the dead sacrifices. What you want to be is a living sacrifice because God's fire comes upon a living sacrifice and it doesn't burn it up. Uh, I can tell you there are two places where this happened. Number one, you know when Moses is talking to the burning bush, that's the presence of God, the fire of God on a living tree does not burn up the living tree. The fire of God on a dead wet tree burns it up. Just in case you're thinking that's Old Testament, New Testament. The book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes on the, uh, the disciples, they in the upper room. I'm thinking, where were they? Somewhere. <laughs> in the upper room, there are tongues of fire. Their heads are on fire. But it doesn't burn them up. So you don't want to be a dead sacrifice. You want to be a living sacrifice. Because living sacrifices, they get to carry the fire and they're not consumed. They're exciting. I'm slightly excited about this. (laughs) And it's time to stop now, so I'm going to have to stop being excited. (laughs) Because, yes, so this, this... I'm so excited I don't remember what I'm saying. (laughs) The living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Final point is that what I find interesting in this scripture is the word reasonable. Like, that's your reasonable service. Because, you see, for a lot of us, we think these people that are on fire for God... They're sort of like the, they're like the, you know, that's the ministry team. They're the people who do the amazing things. But God's telling us here that this is not the, this is not for the amazing team. This is not for the few. This is not for the select few. This is just reasonable. Think about that. It's just reasonable. It's for all of us. It's for the entire church. And in fact, if you then read on in Romans chapter 12, through verses 3 through to 6, God actually then talks about there being one body, which I think is interesting. Then verse 1, he talks here that we present our bodies so that we can be in a body. You see, I can worship all I like at home, and it does change my atmosphere, but there's nothing that works like being in the atmosphere here at church. When I'm gathered with believers, wherever that happens, there is something powerful that comes in being together. 
yonks. We've been saying for yonks now, we're better together. And it's being in the body with other like-minded or like-atmosphered, more like it. Because it doesn't matter if you think exactly the same as the person next to you. What matters is do you have the same atmosphere around about you? It's our atmosphere that we carry that is the presence of God that brings us together in unity. We can have a whole stack of arguments about finer theological points if we like, so long as we can keep an atmosphere in unity, in worship. And I had this just written down as my last line. Anything we do as worship is better when we do it with others. Absolutely. And I also noted that the things that we hide to do alone are usually unhealthy acts of worship. That's a really scary thought, isn't it? I said, the things that we hide and do alone are generally acts of unhealthy worship. But just thinking about that notion that anything we do as worship is better when we do it with others. I don't know what you're going to play now, Richard, but I think we need to sing a worship song. (laughs) Because it's worship has the power to change your atmosphere. And I know this because I know it because I know it. Not just I'm part of the music team because I know this. I play drums because I know it changes my atmosphere when I do that. And it's better here than when I'm at home. In fact, I play heaps better here than I do at home. Sometimes I've actually even been at the point where it's like I have had a beat and I've been trying to do it at home. It does not work. I come to church and then suddenly I can do it. So I think, oh, great, I'll go home and try that. Go home, I can't do it again. (laughs) The Spirit of God is on your worship here at church. It's on our worship. 